This episode is brought to you by What's Next, my new group coaching program designed to help you find some clarity around your next steps in work and life. Times of transition can be challenging and frustrating as we wait for the pathway in front of us to unfold. In this program, we focus on what you're learning during this in-between time, what obstacles are keeping you from moving forward, and where you can trust yourself more to move forward with confidence. Over four weeks, we'll reflect together and hold space for one another. Sessions start Sunday, July 7th, and if you join in before July 1st, you'll receive a complimentary private coaching session with me on a topic of your choice. Learn more and register at katielinder.work backslash next. You're listening to Think, Write, Revise, episode 113. Hey there, and welcome to Think, Write, Revise, a podcast that offers a peek behind the scenes of a productive writing life. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Linder. On this episode, I want to talk about the importance of having flexible writing plans and give you a few examples of this from my own work. And if you listened to last week's episode about um, working on my next big writing project, you know that I am kind of changing some things up and moving things around to make space for a new big writing project I'm working on related to the coaching training I'm developing But in terms of having flexible writing plans, this has also come up quite a bit lately in my work with Oregon State eCampus and the research unit that I direct there because we don't have control over some of the things that happen with our research projects. And this is something that comes up pretty frequently in the writing groups that I facilitate where people will say, how can I make a strategic plan for my writing or even my summer writing or a particular quarter of the year? when I don't know when I'm going to get things back from reviewers, or I don't know if something's going to be accepted in a particular place or not accepted in a particular place. And so what do I do with that? Like, how how do I make basically writing contingency plans? And so I wanted to talk about that because I think that um, part of what goes into having a flexible writing schedule um, in terms of kind of what the projects are on your plate is really having a good sense of what your overall goals are for your writing. And um, let me give an example. So recently, we made um, kind of a, a modified Gantt chart of all the projects we have in the research unit. And this is something I mentioned on a previous episode, so I will link to that. Um, but this was something that helped us to see what is the order of our projects and when they're planning to launch. And it gives us a good strategic plan of the dissemination um, schedule that we're trying to hit for each of these projects. And we juggle about seven or eight projects at a time. And recently, something happened where we had put in an IRB for one of our projects, and our IRB at Oregon State recently shifted to a more digital platform, whereas it used to be um, not paper-based, but it was definitely not kind of a a software that we were using to submit. Um, We were submitting via email, and they transitioned to this software, and it was causing some delays in terms of getting our um, proposals um, through the system for IRB. And so we had one proposal that had been sitting and that we had been kind of making revisions on and going back and forth with IRB for about three months. And then we had another that we needed to get going into the pipeline because we knew, you know, it was going to take a while to go through, you know, knowing that we had kind of to build in this lead time to try to stay on track with our project. We really prioritized getting this other IRB in so that we could kind of start the process of going through approval. Well, like a week later, they both came through on the same day. One of them had taken like three months and the other one had taken like five days. 
And then all of a sudden we had these two projects like sitting on our plate and they both were ready for recruitment and they both required pretty heavy recruitment in terms of emailing and also a lot of scheduling because they were both interview-based studies and we are using a, a system called Acuity to help us to auto-schedule a lot of this work. And we all just kind of looked at each other and we were like, oh, okay, so I guess we're doing all of this at the same time. And there was a third project that we were also planning to launch, you know, roughly within this window. And I said, you know, I think we need to put this third project on the back burner. I think we need to move it to the fall because we have these other two projects that are happening. It's going to get really confusing if we're trying to do all of these things at once. And everybody agreed <laughs> that, that taking something off of our plates was really the best uh, way to move forward with that. And so I looked at our Gantt chart and I looked at our schedule and I said, okay, you know, if we move things around a little bit, how is this going to work? And it actually worked really well because we had built in some buffer in between those projects and they were kind of overlapping a little bit in terms of dissemination. And now basically they just don't overlap. Um, and we've kind of structured things in a way where we have one project that is getting disseminated and then we move on to disseminating the next project, which is actually probably a better strategy for our marketing team who helps us with these things that they're not having to talk about multiple of these things at once. And it gives them more lead time to work on um, dissemination plans for some of the things that we're going to be releasing later in 2019 and into 2020 and even into 2021 because our pipeline stretches a couple years out. So one of the things I think that I took away from this situation was, um, first of all, you just don't ever know. You cannot really plan for when, especially when other people are involved, like an IRB office or something like that, you don't really know when you're going to be able to move a project forward. And this is absolutely the same with things like revise and resubmits. You just won't ever know. So you can't necessarily plan for that. You have to be able to be pretty flexible in the moment. Um, but because we had this larger goal and we knew what we were trying to do in terms of the structure of our schedule, it was relatively easy to make a judgment call and to decide what to move around and where to move it because I knew that there was some wiggle room in there in terms of what we were disseminating. So rather than saying, you know, I can't put together a pipeline because I don't know how this stuff is going to work out, I actually think that having the pipeline helps me to respond when I have situations like this and things happen that are outside of my control. So that's one example. The other thing I wanted to um, kind of address, because I feel like this is the piece that a lot of people ask me questions about, is this idea of revise and resubmits. And if you don't know if something is going to be a revise and resubmit or if it's going to be rejected, and oftentimes revise and resubmits take quite a bit of time to respond to, how do you build that into your pipeline? And the way that I like to think about that is you cannot really plan for it. You can look at when the journal says they're going to get it back to you. And then I typically will add a, a maybe a four to six weeks to that because it can take quite a bit of time. And then I'll kind of block roughly in my calendar the window in which I think I would get that revise and resubmit back. And if I happen to be, you know, in between projects or something at that stage, obviously that's great because then I can turn my attention to that revise and resubmit. But the other thing that we don't really have a ton of control over or just information that we don't know is how much of a revision are, is it going to require to get something through the publication um, channels of a particular journal. You just don't know. You don't know until you get it. So I think that what I prefer to do is kind of get things out the door as soon as I can, 
check in with the editor once it's been an appropriate amount of time so that I can kind of plan around some kind of revise and resubmit if I if I think it's coming. And then once I get the revise and resubmit, I immediately want to process the feedback of what I think is being asked for in that particular um, reviewer feedback request. And what that usually means for me is I will read it try to get a sense of how much of a structural change are they requesting, or is it really just kind of little stuff? If it's little stuff, I try to turn it around as quickly as possible. If it's a structural change, I probably would let it sit for maybe a couple of weeks to give myself space to kind of think through those structural changes. And that also gives me some time to think about if I'm trying to wrap up another project or I'm kind of deeply working on something else, I I can kind of slot in the revise and resubmit in a window that makes better sense than kind of immediately responding to it. And I've also found that giving myself a little bit of time to kind of think through that reviewer feedback, especially when it is a more structural request, it actually is better for the paper overall because it gives me some time to process and think through the options of how I can respond to what the reviewer is requesting. So in some cases, you're just not going to be able to make a contingency plan until you have more information, until you really know how much work is going to be required from something like a revise and resubmit. Now that said, I also think it is helpful. You all know that I'm a planner. I like to kind of think about these things in advance. There are definitely certain things I like to do um, to have contingency plans when I think it makes sense. So for example, whenever I submit a paper to a journal, I always have a plan B and usually a plan C of where I plan to put that paper if for whatever reason journal number one gives me a desk reject. Now, I try to do a lot of research on all the journals that I send to, and um, I can't remember a time where I had a desk reject. Maybe it was very early in my career. Um, But basically what a desk reject is, is that this piece is not a good enough fit for the journal, and we're not even going to send it out for review. Like, it's just not a fit. And um, so if I got something like that, or if I got a full rejection that was basically like, we send it out for review and we don't want to publish it here, then I would want to turn around relatively quickly and send it out to my plan B journal. Now, it's possible that the feedback I would have received if it did go out for review is going to be helpful feedback that would allow me to strengthen the paper. And if that is true, then I will act on that feedback and strengthen the paper before I send it out to my plan B journal. But sometimes if it really is a fit issue, the paper doesn't really need to change all that much. You just need to get it into another journal's review system and do it really quickly. So it's not just kind of gathering dust on your computer. So um, gathering metaphorical dust, I guess I should say. So I think that it is a helpful thing in those scenarios to have a plan B to think of contingencies of what you want to do. And then, of course, if you get published in the journal, great. You don't have to worry about that. Um, But the worst that would happen is that you would have a little bit of extra information from your research of other journals. And maybe those are journals you decide you want to publish in in the future. So these are just some of my thoughts on how to have kind of a more flexible writing plan and to change things up when you need to. Of course, I always love to hear if this is something that you are dealing with and if you have other strategies that you would recommend. You can always email me at contact at katielinder.work. You can tweet to me at katie double underscore linder. You can connect with me on Instagram at katie underscore linder. And you can also write me a letter at katielinder PO Box 1621 in Albany, Oregon, 
I always love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think, Write, Revise. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielander.org slash podcasts. Think, Write, Revise is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.org slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.